0: First played when communion was started. It's um, it, it's a tune that that has been to many different songs. One of them that's probably the most popular is "I Am a Soldier." I couldn't sing it. I couldn't even give you the lines for it because when I think of that song, I think of um, I think of a song that was written by uh, the lyrics that were written by Gloria Gaither, uh, and they entitled the song "I Then Shall Live." And I love that song, and I love hearing it because it's just a sobering reminder of of what life with Christ is like. And part of it is, I then shall live as one who's been forgiven. I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid. I know my name is clear before my Father. I love that. I just, I love that, that lyric that was penned to that, to that song. And that's the life that we should live is a life of thankfulness for what our Father has done for us. I'm going to spare the jokes because it's a sobering, I want to carry that sobering um, peace into into our time of study together. So let us go before our compassionate Father, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us and this uh, special place that we gather in, Uh, many of us every every week, some maybe for the first time, Uh, Lord, but whatever has brought us here, what a special place it is, and not because of the building, the building has has no significance aside from the people that gather here and the spirit that's united when these people gather, Lord. You tell us that where two or three are there, you are in our midst. And we thank you for that promise. Lord, we have surely felt you already today. And pray that we continue to feel you, especially at a time like this, where we listen directly to the words of your Son spoken through the word that you have preserved for us today. I'm so thankful, Lord, for the word that you give us and for the word that blesses us and that uh, also at times convicts us. But Father, even in our conviction, I pray that you would bring comfort, uh, Lord, that we might know that you're not some God demanding that things have to be a certain way just because you have the ability and power to do, though you have every right to do so. No, you're a God who who shares with us the way life should be because you know best how it works. You know best how it operates, for you're the one who set it into motion. And even though sin entered the world, your properties are still intrinsic in it and you are very much here, Lord, and I just pray that you will help us through this word this morning and the collective word that we read throughout the week and the prayers that we have in the studies and the times that we gather together with other believers to, to be in your word, however, it is received in our in our lives, Lord, that it would come together this morning in these moments, in the powerfulness of not the speaker, but of the element of preaching that you have ordained with, with that special power. Lord, that speaks to the heart of us, as only your Spirit can do. Lord, open our eyes to your ways. Open our hearts to your Spirit. Open our ears to your truth. And then, Lord, once those things have opened and received you, may the times when we open our mouth be the things of you that bless your name and bring others closer to you. I pray that you bless this time. Through your spirit in Christ we pray. Amen. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, I would implore you to to do that. Uh, If not uh, in your particular Bible, there's a pew Bible. The scriptures are also in the bulletin as well as on the screen for you this morning. Uh, Please join in the reading of Scripture with us today as we study God's Word together. And as you're turning, I'm looking very much forward to this series that we are going to be embarking for the next several weeks as we learn of how we can have wonderful, intimate, deep, personal, spiritual, blessed conversations with God. Shall we? Read the scriptures together this morning, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 and reading through verse 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And now for those of you reading the NIV, we're going to switch over to the King James Version as we read together the, uh, as we read together the words of the Lord's Prayer. And this is what Jesus said. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Why don't we do this together? Why don't we pray this scripture aloud? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What a weighty passage from the Word of God. Two tadpoles, Ted and Todd, hatched from the same batch of eggs. Getting good already, isn't it? They swam around excitedly, wiggling their little tails with great enthusiasm. They swamp up to their mom and they exclaim, Look what we can do! Look what we can do! The mother frog looked at the two tadpoles with great pride and called them closer. She then explained the process of metamorphosis and how they will eventually lose their tail and grow legs. This news impacted the tadpoles differently. Ted was excited about the future and he continued to swim with energy and enthusiasm, occasionally looking back to see when his legs would start forming. Todd, however, thought to himself, what's the point of exercising my tail? It's only going to drop off eventually anyway. As a result... Ted kept strengthening his tail and increasing his stamina, but Todd's tail got weaker and his energy levels dropped. The mother frog took Todd to one side and suggested that he start using his tail more. But what's the point? It's going to drop off anyway, Todd replied. After a little while, the two tadpoles' tails finally dropped off and they both grew legs. Ted was excited and he hopped around with energy and enthusiasm. The consistent and energetic use of his tail had equipped him for this development. Todd was less enthused. He was sort of glad that he now had legs, but he just didn't have the energy to use them. He didn't know why, and he just couldn't be bothered with finding an explanation. It's a very simple story, but its truths are extremely profound, I believe. When I heard this little story, I couldn't help but compare it to my prayer life. And maybe, just maybe, you can see yourself in this story as well. We really are one tadpole or the other when it comes to our spiritual life. Either we are consistently engaged in the things of the Lord and those spiritual habits that cause us to grow stronger in the depths of our spirit, or we are the other, we are consistently lethargic in the things of the Lord and we very seldom find ourselves strengthening our spirits and therefore we grow weaker and weaker in our fervor for the Lord. At first, you really can't tell much difference between the two when you look at them, even sometimes when we look at ourselves. But what makes the difference, however, is when times of trial and testing come, when standing in and for the Lord is required. You see, if we are rooted in Him, our stamina, empowered by our spiritual fervor, causes us to stand when many others have fallen down. But if we are not rooted as we should be, we find that we don't stand for long. We run out of energy and collapse under the load and pressure that Satan, sin, and temptation puts on us. We find ourselves to be like the lazy gardener that, planted, that did not plant new bulbs this year expecting last year's flowers to come back up and look and smell as good as they did in years past this year. Now, I just want to tell you all, and make a confession, that I do not set out in my sermons to make people feel uncomfortable. That's not my goal. Uh, if the Scriptures make us feel uncomfortable, that's just a byproduct of how the Lord convicts and pulls our, ourself to Him. Again, I, I don't set out to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but can I be honest with you this morning? This topic of prayer causes me to feel a little uncomfortable, to be perfectly honest, because I, I preach it as one who has not arrived, no, I am someone who desires to be there. And I reckon that if I feel uncomfortable in this place this morning, there's probably some of you who might feel the very same way. So if at any time you may feel me stepping on your toes, so as it is to say that we have put it at at times, please know that I was aiming for your heart because mine's been touched already. My heart has been stepped on in the planning of these messages as I looked at the scope of them and then in the specific study of this in my reading of the scripture and the books of those who have devoted themselves to prayer, um, I find myself desiring to be there more than I find myself being there now. Again, my, my heart has been touched in the preparation of, the, of this and I know more messages and, and, and I hope that, that all of us will not find strength in, in my words but in God's words that He will bring us. And as Paul said, I strive and strain for perfection in the book of Philippians. Let us never feel as if we have ever arrived at a state of perfection or contentment in our spiritual and prayer lives. Because let me tell you folks, Satan will notice where we have settled like concrete in our spirit and he will seek to break us apart with one proper strike of his chisel in a part still yet weak for God. Church, prayer is one of these ever developing portions of our life. Prayer, in its very basic essence, is a conversation with God. And as Brother Gary put it, I love how the Spirit flows, and William said the exact same thing this morning in Sunday school. Prayer, communicating with God, a conversation with God, it is a privilege. That's what it truly is. Prayer is a privilege. And I believe that when we see prayer in this light, when we see it as a privilege, it will perhaps change our attitude toward prayer. It will help us do an about phase from where we may be now to where we, where we start to ought to be. And can any of you, though, when talking about privilege, can any of you remember your parents maybe using this line on you, it's not a right, it's a privilege. Anybody ever hear that? Come on, raise a hand. There's a lot of you who have heard that, and I include myself in that. It's not a right. It is a privilege. Now, when you talk about your parents, maybe they were referring to watching TV. Maybe they were talking about going on a a school trip. Maybe they were talking about driving the car. It's not your car, it's their car. And they'll remind you that their name is on the title, right? It's not a right that you have to this car. It is a privilege. It is a privilege. Let your imagination run wild with that one of of the times that maybe you heard that or something to that nature. But now rein it back in and and don't let your mind run wild, but think about a time uh, of sin. And I will think about a time of mine. Think about that sin that sadly keeps coming back to you, I'll think about mine. Because sin, whatever it is, whatever you may call it, whatever name that it has, whatever thing that it is in your life, sin is what separates us from God. It's our wrongs, it's our past mistakes, and at times, it may even be our present mistakes. And what we deserve for these past and present mistakes and future mistakes is God allows us to live life beyond this time and beyond this place if if he so chooses what we deserve for those things for our sin is is death the scriptures make that clear in the book of Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 for the wages of sin is death that is what we deserve death is what we deserve for our sins for our wrongdoings and our past mistakes but as it goes on to say but The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is not what we deserve. Church, that is what we are privileged with, is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. What we deserve is death, but what we are privileged with, not our right, but our privilege is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to how the Apostle John put it in 1 John chapter 3, and verse 1. This verse right here gets my motor going. I hope it does you too. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. I love that passage, don't you? Why don't we say that together, shall we? See what great love the Father has. Oh, you're not doing very well. Let's you, Come on, you children of God, if you're in Jesus Christ, you've got to read this passage with the gusto because you, you have been privileged with Jesus. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and all voices raised, and that is what we are. Amen? We are privileged with Jesus Christ. That is what we should be called church as children of God because of the privilege of Christ. Church, I don't know if you realize this or not. I'm sure many of you do. But let me just remind you that Christ did not have to come, but he did. You see, he did not have to die, but he did. And he did not have to send his spirit to be our comforter every day, but he did. And because he did all these things, and so many more. We are greatly blessed. And may we never, church, never fail to remember this privilege of knowing God all because of one man who lived and died a sinless life and his name is Jesus. Church, we need to thank God because of Jesus every day that we are not receiving the punishment that we deserve but the grace that we are privileged to have. And that's really where prayer starts. It starts with thanksgiving. If we can think of no other words to say to God in prayer, we need to say, Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. If we can think of nothing else to say, may we say, thank you, Lord, for Jesus. And as Brother Gary said, that changes the demeanor. Satan tries to keep us from praying. He tries to keep us from thinking about Jesus. I know I can say it's so true in my life. You want to distract someone who loves and believes in Jesus and knows that everything will be all right if we just simply trust in Him? Get that man or woman to stop thinking about Him. Church, if we have nothing else to say, nothing else to pray, may it even be simply these words Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. I know I've invited a lot of participation this morning, but that's what prayer is all about. It's participation of us in God. Sorry to make you feel uncomfortable, but we need to pray. Say this together Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Say that again Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Just one more time Thank you, Lord. For Jesus. I don't know any other name that's sweeter than that that just simply rolls off the tongue other than than Jesus. They were really right when they wrote the song. Jesus, there is something, something about that name. Jesus said something very powerful in this passage that I did not pay much attention to until someone recently pointed it out to me and we find it in verses 5, 6, and 7. Jesus said, and when you pray. Three verses all start with the same thing. Okay, one starts with but, but just go with me here. They're both conjunctions. <laughs> yeah. And when you pray, every single one starts with that. Three times, and three has a very, is a very uh, meaningful number in the Scriptures. It has great significance. It means pay attention. And when you pray, but when you pray, and, and when you pray... And, and in my studies before, I really hadn't paid much attention to that passage. I just, or those verses, those words of Jesus. I had simply, just passively in my mind, thought for many years that Jesus was saying, whenever you feel like it, pray. You know, when, whenever, whenever you feel like it, just do these things. Or, you know, whenever it comes about you to pray, sort of lackadaisically, that's in my mind, sort of how I felt about it. Uh, and that's what I was told that, no, no, there's, there's really a vast difference between what you think and what Jesus was, was really saying. And it, it is so true. No, Jesus' words, when he says, and when you pray, and he says these things three times, Jesus' words connotate regularity. Jesus' words connotate regularity. Essentially, he assumes that his audience is praying, that prayer is a normal and regular part of their lives as people who follow and serve the Lord. And then he gives upon these people that he knows are already praying additional instructions as how to strengthen those personal and intimate times with the Lord. And when you pray, these are things that you can do to draw you closer to the heart of God, is what he's saying. When you pray, don't look at everybody else who are praying these ways. Pray these ways when you pray, so that it might be meaningful and powerful and impactful for you when you come to the throne of God, that your prayers are not about you, but they're, they're about Him. He assumes regularity when He speaks to them. And before we go too much farther, I'd like to stop and pause for a moment of spiritual assessment. I want us to think about the habits that we have in our lives and the things that we do regularly on a regular basis, as we say. A few things I thought of that I do regularly that I assume and hope that you all are doing too. Brushing my teeth, bathing with soap, eating, my most favorite in that list, as you can well tell, spin around and show this side, and my least favorite would be, anybody know, exercise. That's right. Oh, I don't like you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love it. No, it's obvious, you know, that's my... One of my least favorite things to do, you know, it's, and I, I assume that it's for some of us, it's just not a, a high priority. But these are these are habits that are that are beneficial for our lives when done on a very, I'm just baking on a very regular basis. <laughs> they are they are things that are very are very positive. They yield positive results for us. But think about it this way: what what if you were only to do these things every now and again? You went long periods of time without. Brushing your teeth, bathing with soap, eating or even exercising. If you went long periods of time without doing these things, what do you think would happen if you were to just do it every now and again? Think about how often you and I pray. Gets a little scary, doesn't it? So this is what it might be like. Brushing our teeth every now and again might take the edge off the bad breath, but the gum disease lying beneath the surface will eventually rot our teeth away and we'll have no teeth to brush. Not bathing with soap and just washing off with water, if that's even done, will remove much of the appearance of dirt, but let me tell you, stank runs deep. It don't just go away. Eating every now and again will provide a small nourishment in the moment while we are still largely suffering from malnutrition that is causing our bone and muscle density to waste away to nothing. And then one day of exercise to cover up months of not exercising will make you feel as if you checked off the New Year's resolution box, but without further regular exercise, that Snickers bar we treated ourselves to when we finished exercising will undo any good that we may have ever done. So it is as these things in life as it is with prayer in our spiritual lives. Regular prayer, a habit, mind you, that is not done begrudgingly or intermittently. Again, regular prayer, a habit not done begrudgingly or intermittently will bring joy as we talk to our Creator and our Savior as we go about our lives. And it will set down roots in the Lord that no storm can dredge up, for we shall rest in the promise that no one can snatch us out of the master's hand. Amen. I want you to listen to these words from a great book on prayer that I really enjoyed. As Jesus well knew, everything else that occupies the church's time and energy will be lacking in power and blessing, and the fragrance of God's presence will be missing if prayer is not kept first. Too often, however, we put the cart before the horse by making prayer an add-on, an afterthought, a bonus feature to what we're already doing, placing our own work ahead of God's. But this puts us on a path to eventually becoming dead churches with lifeless worship featuring well-presented but powerless sermons delivered to lukewarm, distracting members who live in a sinful defeat and share superficial fellowship with one another. And this, very sadly, is the state of much of the church at large. It's not because we don't mean well, though. We do. We work hard. We do our best. But that's part of the problem. God never intended for us to live out the Christian life or accomplish His work on this earth in our own wisdom or strength. His plan has always been for us to rely on the Holy Spirit and live a life of obedience in prayer. I thought those words were quite powerful and extremely convicting. I know for me. Church, before we can ever work out the matters of Jesus' words in this passage that we have read this morning that go beyond just the and when you pray moments, we must first reckon with his expectation that we are communing and conversating often with God. In this passage, his admonishments are are self-exclamatory that we have read. I don't have to exposit them much because we understand what it is he says. Don't be like the hypocrites. Hey, I don't want to be like a hypocrite. You know, people have said, you know, I don't come to church, there's a lot of hypocrites there. I say we can always use one more. Now, we understand that when Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Or when you pray, go and pray in private. Those things are self-exclamatory. When he said, when you pray, pray like this, it's very self-exclamatory. We all read that together. Those things are very some exclamatory. But the problem that I believe that was more pressing than those matters was the matter that Jesus talked about and when you pray. Because God just assumes that we are going to do these things because of what he's done for us. He wants us to do these things. And it's not for his benefit. I hate to tell you, church, serving Christ and living for the Lord is not egocentric on our part because I don't know if you know this or not, this may rock some of your world, but God don't need us. He doesn't need us to be happy and content. God is perfection. He is happy and content in Himself. He is happy and content in who He is. But He wanted to share who He was with someone and that's why He created. He wanted to share who He was and His joy and His majesty and His perfection with someone who would appreciate Him. That's why He created. God doesn't need us to be happy on His own. But he wants us to be happy with him. And when we don't commune with him, when we don't walk with him in the cool of the day, as it said Adam and Eve did, whenever that cool of the day is for you every day, we're the ones who miss out. And God's heart hurts, not for himself, but it hurts for us. Because we know he knows that we are missing out on a wonderful day wonderful blessing. Again, his admonishments in this passage are self-exclamatory. They are straightforward. His explanation of forgiveness is poignant. But we can never put these things into practice until we choose to pray. If for no other reason than to say thank you again for sending Jesus, as the song we sang said to save a wretch, like me. And we pray. Church, we need to pray collectively as a group, but personally in our lives as they are raised together. It only becomes the church when we come together and we bring our lives, we bring our, our spiritual walks, we, we bring our, even our frailties and our, our hurts and our pains. Whenever we come together, that's the church. When we come together, and we come together especially in prayer, that's when we find ourselves to be rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in our faith as we were taught. and Overflowing with thankfulness. If for no other reason, church. We are thankful for Jesus. Because that's not just where it starts in our prayers. Church, Jesus is where it all started in our heart. And that's why we pray. Let us pray now. Father, thank you for this day and all of your blessings. For bringing us here together to worship and to praise you as we have done. And we continue to worship and praise you even now. We do that with our lives. Lord, we do that with the lives that we live every day. Every breath is an opportunity to worship, to live as you have called us to live. We worship you by doing what we were created to do, and that was to be in fellowship with you and to live to serve you, that others might find you to be a wonderful Lord and Savior as we have. Lord, every day, every breath is a moment and an opportunity for worship. Lord, let us find that in our lives that there is nothing that we can do aside from you. Help us, Lord, more quickly to realize when times of trial and testing come, but even when things are going well, when things couldn't be any better. Lord, not to forget you, but to still make you a very avid part of our day, of our thoughts and our actions. To think constantly, what would Jesus do if he was me? Lord, help us to be thankful for him. That we might be rooted and built up because of that thankfulness for Jesus. What a wonderful joy it is to know him. To be filled with him. To have the peace that passes all understanding because of that spirit that brings calm to our lives. And all was turbulent around us. For the peace that he brought when he settled our accounts on our behalf. That we didn't get what we deserve as death, but that we get what we are privileged with. An eternal life. That eternal life that began the day that we said yes to you, O Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to never forget those things and the joy that we found there. In that original commitment that sparked a life of faithfulness that just continues to grow deeper and deeper every day. Father, you want to go deeper with us. You want to walk with us every day as you did with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. You want to do that with us. Lord, let us allow you to do so. You're not going to force yourself on us. We know that. We see that from your word. But you offer an invitation to come. And so we ask, Lord, I know I do. I'm sure somebody else might might say the same, Lord, I I ask you to come be a part of my day. Lord, be a part of my life. Be a part of the things that are good and be a part of the things that are bad. Lord, that you might be found in the whole of us and not the We pray these things and ask that you help increase our fervor for prayer. To know the God who knows so much about us. In thankfulness for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If there is something in your life that you need to pray about, pray for, something you haven't given to God, may you do that today. I don't know what it is. Maybe as I just prayed, maybe you need to invite the Lord into a more special and prominent place in your life every day. Lord, make yourself present today. If that's that's a prayer that you have, I, I pray that you will pray that and you will ask Him to walk side by side with you because He desperately wants to. He just wants you and I to want to as well. If you have never prayed and asked God to be the center of your life, to ask Jesus to come into your heart to fill your days, by grace, through faith and baptism, may you walk in newness of life. May you make that commitment. May you say today, Lord, I want to start walking with you. If you've never, never asked the Lord to be a part of your life, never asked Jesus into your heart, I pray that you'll begin by doing that today. It's the best prayer that you can pray. It's the only thing the Bible tells us that makes the angels in heaven rejoice. It's for one lost sinner saved. The Bible tells us that. If that's you, make the angels in heaven rejoice today. And if there's just some need in your life, maybe the life of somebody else that you love and care about, don't go around carrying the weight of that burden on your own. But give it to Jesus, for he said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Whatever your need might be, I pray that you'll come and you'll bring it to Jesus laid at the foot of the cross today as we stand and we sing.